Come on, good morning, Chapel Scott's edition. Good morning, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we're in a series on relationships. I'll tell you a little bit about that more in just a second. But want to look in the room at the camera and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond. Scott's edition. Love you guys. Love what God's doing in the city here in our city. And of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail, we love you guys. We got rained out this last week from coming in and seeing you, but we're rescheduling. We can't wait to be uh, in to celebrate baptisms with you. And you're our people. You're not a project to us. And we love what God's doing in the jail as well. And so uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, like, like you heard, uh, we're praying for VBS over the next uh, few days between both campuses. Over 500 kids will be a part of this. And if you ever read statistics on when people make decisions for Jesus, it so often happens uh, under the age of 21. And so uh, I think one of the most important things we do is invest in children. And uh, you just need to know Jesus said, uh, let the little children come to me. How many know Jesus is four kids? Come on. And, uh, and for life and... And so we, we get to celebrate that this week, and we're so excited to be praying for our team, amazing team, and uh, we're excited about that. And like, then, like you saw, we got something really special next Sunday morning, and then next Wednesday, first Wednesday, uh, fireworks, a huge chance to bring friends and neighbors and just love on our community. Well, um, I, I'm gonna, we're going to end this series on relationships, and then we're beginning. We have some really special stuff planned in the month of July, a great guest speaker and something really special next weekend as well. But uh, before we move into what we call summer at the chapel, we're ending a series on relationships where we're just been spending the month of June looking at what God has to say about human relationships and how he wants to connect us in them. And I, I was noticing when I was reading Acts chapter three the other day that Peter and John looked at a man who asked for money and they said, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus, walk. And they, they heal him, and it's a, it's a story about a miracle. But just that phrase, what we have, we give you, hit me. And I thought to myself, you know what? Isn't it true we can only give other people what we have? How many know moms and dads, you can only pass on a faith that you have? And you can only love other people out of the love of Jesus if you have that. And, and I'm just really convinced uh, this weekend that many of us, more is going out of our physical and emotional tank than we're putting in. And so I want to talk to you this weekend as we end the series about, about not, just, not just giving out and what it means to make a difference by giving out and making a difference, but what it means to be filled up with all that God has for us. And so I want to talk to you about making space and time to rest and connect with God. How many need a message on rest? Come on, I got any tired people in the room? No, I don't know. But there's something about summer, something about vacation, something about taking a few days, something about, about taking a Friday afternoon and laying in a hammock. Come on, can I get a witness? And when I, was, when I was younger, as a younger dad, I'd love to take my kids to like King's Dominion. Now I'm so over that. I'm just, I got, they're like a full day at the theme park. That sounds like a, the worst deal in the world. When I would go on vacation, I want to do nothing. Where are the people that want to do nothing with me? Like, I don't, I, I wanna, I don't even know. I, uh, we'll be waking up in the morning. Katie's like, should we wake up the kids? And I'm like, no. And she'll say, how long should I let them sleep? And I'm like, I'm hoping all through to tomorrow is my... 
kind of my hope. And so, uh, but there's something about just pausing and refueling and recharging. And, and, and for many of us, I think we've given out so much and, and, and talking about taking in. And so this message is about rest. And, and yet it's going to be a little bit, a little bit um, correctional as well. Because I think when you hear the topic of, of prioritizing or rest or making space for God, you hear it as an encouraging way. But yet there are some warnings if we don't get this one right, that these, these things can really uh, matter up our life. And so I want to give you three warnings and three solutions. And we're going to look at Daniel. He's an Old Testament uh, uh, character. And the, the people of God were taken out of Israel into Babylon in exile for 70 years. And, and the kings there were wicked kings. And we pick it up there. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. And while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of Jerusalem. So they have, they've taken these items and they're beginning to drink wine from them. And the king and his nobles, they all drank from them. And as they drank the wine, look at these words, they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Now, I want you to notice this about all of these items. These items listed here, gold and silver, bronze, wood, iron, stone. These are all elements that you would either produce with your hands or mine yourself. And so it's a picture of Nebuchadnezzar putting strength and praising the gods of items of human performance. And it's kind of subtle if you don't see it there. I'm trying to kind of bring it out, lift it out of the verse because we'd kind of read over it quickly. But there was an attempt in that day and I think an attempt in ours to worship what we can produce with our hands. And to, to find our identity in our work or our performance or what we can accomplish or what we can amass. And that kind of pride disconnects us from God and it keeps us busy. And so I want to talk to us this week and kind of remind us and gently correct us that this life is not all that this life has. Come on, somebody. That, our, that we shouldn't worship our work. We got to prioritize what matters most. And I think the danger is some of us chasing after a little bit more, winning at work and losing at what matters most, our relationship with God and the people close to us. How many believe you can win at work and lose at home? How many know you can win with money and lose in your relationship with God, right? And, and here's what's happening. The king, they're praising the gods of all that they can produce in and of themselves. And they're missing the heart of what God has for them. And so all of a sudden, this kind of strange event happens. Suddenly, the fingers of a human appeared and wrote on the plaster wall. This is actually where we get the phrase, the handwriting on the wall. Okay. So it's kind of a strange experience. And the king watched as the hand wrote and his face turned pale. You think? So picture this, he's just enjoying his 4th of July barbecue and a giant hand comes down and starts writing things on the wall. And so the king is frightened, his legs become weak, his knees are knocking, and he summons everyone he can, his enchanters, astrologers, and he says to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means is going to be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he'll be made the third highest in the kingdom. And this is the inscription that was written, meaning, meaning, tekel parson. 
And so this inscription's written on the wall and he issues a de decree to, to find an explanation or an interpretation of it. And by the way, Daniel is chosen who comes because none of the kings, none of the king's uh, astrologers can give them an answer. Let me just pause for a second and let you know that the culture can't find solutions for the culture's problem. The, our problems are spiritual and can only be fixed with God. And so Daniel has to come, and it's interesting, we don't have time to read it, but he refuses the purple robe, the royal robe, because Daniel actually doesn't want credit. He says, I didn't give the interpretation, God gave the interpretation. How many are grateful for people that give glory to God, right? And then he gives an interpretation, and he literally says, this is what, this is what the wor the, these words mean, meaning, meaning God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Now this takes a ton of courage for Daniel to say, hey, guess what's written on the wall? you're not going to be king for long. And just let me say this, this is always the mark of a Bible-believing, godly church when it, don't, when it doesn't just tell us what we want to hear, it tells us what we need to hear from God. Can I get a, I got a witness today, right? Like it's, and so, and so that Daniel does, he can't pull back off of that. He's, he says, here's what God's word says. King, you're not gonna, you're not gonna rule very long. And he gives us three warnings. I want you to see him right from these verses in those four words, that three warnings that we've gotta be reminded of this weekend about, about rest. And here, here's the first one. We need to remember that our days are numbered. <laughs> okay, so I have great news for you this weekend. You're gonna die one day. How many are glad you came to church? Come on, turn to the person next to you and tell them you're going to die today. Come, or not today, I mean, I'm sorry. That's amazing. I mean, today, would you tell them, I'm going to kill you? No, I'm just kidding. All right, so just tell them one day you're going to die. Come on, tell them one day you're going to die. I'm sorry about that. I'll get it together up here and... Uh, I mean, how many know the death statistics are still one out of every one, right? And one of the things that, that God warns the king and Daniel warns the king is we, we don't have an infinite number of days. How many know all of us are going to die one day? And you say, well, pastor, I eat organic. Okay, you're going to live a little longer miserably, but a little longer. But the truth is, all of us are going to die one day, and learning to live uh, uh, on purpose with our relationships is understanding that this life is quicker than you think. In fact, Job describes how quick life can pass. He says, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me seeing uh, any joy. In fact, this is where we get the phrase that time what? Time Time flies. He literally says, it's going so fast. I feel like I'm just living my life and it's going, 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 going. Has anybody, anybody ever, like, like you, you just thought to yourself, how old am I? The other day, Katie showed me a picture of somebody that we went to high school with and I didn't recognize him at first. And I was like, man, that guy's old. And she's like, he's this, this is Neil. He was in your class. Well, do I look like that? You know, like for real? And, and Job is kind of describing that life kind of goes that way. It just moves quickly. And, and we need to be reminded to make our life matter, right? I had a pastor, a friend of mine, who used to have a, gold, or a glass bowl that he would fill with, with, um, with white marbles, little stones in there. When I asked him, what are, what are those? And he said, they represent weekends. Those are how many weekends I have left with my kids in my house. 
And he meant it in a good way, you know? Like he was like, I want to learn to prioritize. I want to get the most out of every Saturday. I want to I I remember that I don't have forever. In fact, the psalmist taught us to live this way. He said, God, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is, that my life is no longer than the width of my hand, that an entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath, right? He says, my whole life, it's the width of my, my thumb to my, my finger. It, it's, the, it's like a vapor, right? James says that, right? Our life is but a breath, right? You go out on a cold day, breathe out, that you see your breath, and then it, what? it disappears, and he reminds us that our days are numbered. And I don't say that to discourage us. I just say it to remind us that we need to make the most of our days, right? Because I think some of us, maybe, maybe if we don't know, we only have a few days. We only have uh, so long on this earth to make a difference, to honor God, to, to connect with our family members. And we can get into this lie that we have forever. And one day I'll do it. And, and before you know it, you're just binging on Netflix and wasting your life. This is good preaching, right? So he says, our days are numbered. Then he goes to the next word, tekel. He says, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Here's a second warning for us today, just a warning for us. We need to remember how easy it is for our lives to get out of balance. Has anybody found it's pretty easy to get your life out of balance, isn't it? I mean, we're juggling things in life, aren't we? We're trying to make it all fit. We're trying to make it all come together. We're trying to manage work and we're trying to manage school. We're trying to manage relationships and marriage and parenting and recreation. And in the middle of it all, we're just trying to balance this thing called life. In fact, I heard some stats. Do you know the average American will eat out over 20,000 times in their lifetime? The average American, think of this, will spend 10 years watching TV, okay? Think of this, the average American will spend nine and a half years on their phone. By the way, I'm trying a new thing that if I have dinner with somebody, we don't look at our phones. Wouldn't that be amazing? Hey, I don't know if you know this, you can look at people's eyes and when they talk. Spend five years waiting in lines. Come on, where are the impatient people, right? Not me, I I study the lines, I get slower ones. Spend one year looking for misplaced items. Right, Katie's gonna go out of town, I'm like, keep your phone near you, because none of us know where anything is. And we'll be like buying new stuff, you know. Literally, he says your life has been weighed in the balance. it, 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 it's not weighing out right. Anybody ever notice how easy it is to get our priorities wrong? How easy it is to focus on the wrong thing? How easy it is to chase the wrong area? How easy it is to pursue the wrong thing? And Daniel warns us, hey, be careful, friends. That's what I'm trying to do today as your pastor. I'm just saying, hey, take some inventory of your life. Is it balanced the way you want it to be balanced? Is it, is it investing the right amount of time in your relationship with God and your key relationships? Or, or is it chasing all kinds of things? How many know you can do a lot of urgent things and miss out on a lot of important things? How many know oftentimes the urgent is not the important, right? And the important oftentimes doesn't feel urgent. And he warns us of that. The third word that he corrects with is the word Perez, meaning your kingdom is divided and give it to the Medes and the Persians. And here's literally what he's saying. Because he's lived the wrong way, it reminds us that a mismanaged life will always cost us something, right? 
How many know when we mismanage our life, whether it's our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our health, a mismanaged life will cost us something. And he calls out the king and he says, be careful that you're not winning in the wrong areas, that you're not winning in the wrong game, that you're not, that you're not missing at all. In fact, Jesus warned us of this very thing. He said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, meaning like evaporation. It, it literally, uh, our life just uh, uh, floats away. And he says, look at how the world's living in drunkenness and overwhelmed with the anxieties of life. And you won't even realize the day will come and it will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Here's what he's saying, that the world around us is so weighed down by the anxieties of life and they're looking for an escape, drunkenness, a picture of just an escape, some kind of substance to dull their pain. He's saying in the end, their life's gonna be required of them. It's a challenge for us to watch and guard our hearts and lives. How many know we need to guard from a mismanaged life, right? mismanaged life, the wrong priorities, the wrong focus, chasing the wrong thing, ending in the wrong location at the wrong place. And all that can happen in our life. My, uh, my mom tells the story of uh, going to Florida when she was in her 20s and driving back home. And we lived in upstate New York, but her and my aunt just followed signs that said to New York. And all of a sudden they pull into uptown Manhattan. Come on, somebody. And they're like, wait, you didn't mean New York State? This meant New York City, you know? And they had literally just, they'd driven diligently the wrong way. My mom's always been gifted at doing that. Couple, couple years ago, we were, going to, we were going to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and she, she calls me and I'm like, where are you? We're all here. And she's like, I'm on a ferry. And I was like, there's no ferry to get to, where, what do you mean? And she's like, I don't know, I'm on a ferry. I literally told her, hand your phone to whoever's next to you. She's like, I don't know this person. I was like, that's the point. I need to talk to someone, not you. Where is my mom right now? New Jersey. Really? I'm going to need you to point her in the right direction, you know, because she has all the lunch meat. And uh, I'm telling you, you can go diligently the right at the right pace in the wrong direction. And Daniel comes and corrects the king because his life's out of sorts. And I want to tell us, I think some of us, maybe our lives are out of sorts. We're trying, we've got the wrong priorities. It's not that we're not diligent. It's not that we're not trying. It's not that we're not trying to achieve some things. It's we're just winning, but we're winning in the wrong places. And we need to remember that our days are numbered and not to have a mismanaged life. And it'll cost us something. It'll cost us memories and, and all kinds of things. In fact, I was, I was learning this lesson myself a couple weeks ago. It was a Saturday and my son had two basketball games out of town in Northern Virginia. And I had all these reasons I wasn't going to go to the games because I was tired and he he had multiple games, multiple weekends, and his games were in the morning and then later in the afternoon, and then there were two kids' games in between it, and you say, well, don't you want to support all the kids? I don't. I only want to support my kid, and, uh, and so, but I made the last second decision. You know what? I need to be there for him. Thank goodness I did. He had 17 of the 46 points. We won by four points. He had eight of the last 11 points. I'm there filming with, the, the, with my phone and, and saying, my kid's beating your kid. It was the greatest moment. How many know sometimes in life we have to choose between what inconveniences us and what's, what matters, right? 
And the king is warned through Daniel, be careful you don't have a mismanaged, uh, uh, wrongly balanced life. So that's the warning. Now let me give you just three principles. And I, these are three little phrases I've, I've memorized over the last few years. And I think they're great just phrases to remember because they kind of set up rhythms of rest for you, rhythms of getting away to God. So just three little phrases. You take a picture with them with your phone or you might even be able to remember them. Here's the first one. Come on, divert what? Come on, divert Come on, let's say it one more time. Divert. So this means every day, time alone with God and time with ourselves. okay? This means time in scripture, time in prayer, that we daily get connected to God. For me in my own quiet time with God, I need a paper Bible, okay? I'm fine with the Bible app a lot of places, but for some reason when I'm home in my own quiet time, I just, I need a paper Bible. I light a little candle. Come on, I'm from the Northeast. I have a little bit of Catholic still in me. And I, and I just, my Bible, my candle, come on, caffeinated, I'm God, I'm going to create space for you in my day, space for you in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to take some time every, it's why Jesus taught us not to, God, give us this month our daily bread. Give us what? This day, right? Today I need you. How many need God today? And how many know today's struggle can't be met with yesterday's strength? And so it's a diver daily. I'm going to pull aside and connect with God. I'm going to spend time divert daily. Daily, I'm going to spend time in his word. I'm going to spend time praying. I'm going to spend time alone. I'm going to have a daily rhythm. I divert daily. Okay. So divert daily. Here's the second one. Come on, say it with me. Withdraw what? So divert daily, withdraw weekly. That's what you're doing today on the first day of the week, Sunday. You're setting aside your week in worship. And, and I think there's something to having a day in the week where we just unplug a little and rest. In fact, God's word called it Sabbath. You have six days in which to do your work, the Bible says, but the seventh day is a day of what? Day of rest dedicated to the Lord. Do you know, Jesus tells us that the Sabbath wasn't made for God. It was made for us because we need rest. I don't know if you know this. In fact, it was one of the great witnesses to the ancient world because the nations surrounding Israel thought that they would defeat Israel economically and militarily because they said, this is amazing. This, these people are only one day, whole day a week. They don't do anything. And if you read the Old Testament, they were committed. They, a Jewish man wouldn't even walk more than a thousand yards on a Sabbath. They'd prepare some of their food ahead of time so they could, didn't even have to do the prep work. I mean, like, like, I mean, all this happened and they would take the Sabbath off. And the nations around them thought, well, we'll defeat them because we'll be more efficient. We have seven days to accomplish things. They only have six. So we have like 15% more that we'll be and how many know they, God's, God's hand on their six is better than without God in seven. You don't believe me? We have a modern day example. Come on, Burger King and Chick-fil-A. Come on, seven days a week. But how many know there's one fast food place that has trusted the Lord? Come on. I'm mostly kidding. And uh, here's what I'm saying. There's something about one day a week trusting God. Something about making worship. Something about making rest. Something about pulling aside. There's something about regularly withdrawing weekly and trusting in the Lord and spending time with one another and, and pulling away from the demands of life. And so, so I divert daily. I withdraw weekly. Come on, here's the, here's the third one. Come on, say it with me. Abandon annually, okay? 
So this means uh, vacation, right? Or this means you get away for a little bit period of time. This means you take a season to pull away from some things, be less connected to our phone, disconnect from the world, and reconnect with God and those we love, right? How many feel like you need a couple days this summer, come on, to abandon? Don't you love that word? It's abandoned annually, you know, like, like it's not, it's not, it's not a, a pull away a little, it's a, it's let it go, right? It's get disconnected so you can reconnect. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us why we need this. He says, if the ax is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, right? I'm convinced some of us have a dull axe and we think if we just keep chopping harder, faster, longer, we'll knock down the tree. But some of us may need to just stop chopping for a little while and sharpen our axe. How many know that'll knock the tree down faster, right? And so there's a sense of pulling away. In fact, three summers ago, Katie and I started a new tradition that we were going to be gone two weeks in a row every summer. We did one week of a vacation, and then the second week we did a study week, which means I get up early, go to Starbucks, study for like five or six hours, and then come home at, or come to wherever we're staying, one or two o'clock and sit on the beach. And we did that for 14 straight days a few summers ago. And I came back so excited and full of vision, planned out the year and everything. And then the last two years, because of COVID, I've just been, I've just been, I've not done that. And so she said, she said, are we going to do that this summer? And I said, no, we're in a capital, you know, business uh, building campaign and the God and how, and she said, well, guess what? We're going to do that. So how many are grateful for smart wives? Okay. So I'll be gone for a couple of weeks in July, but but, but it's because there's something too pulling away and disconnecting to reconnect with God and with others, right? To somehow prioritizing what matters most. In fact, Jesus put it this way, and I put it in a paraphrase so it might hit you. Come on, chapel, this is for you today. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love these words. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn, look at this, the unforced rhythms of rest, right? When Katie and I started dating in high school, uh, we grew up in upstate New York where there's tons of snow. And so she was a skier and I had never skied. And but so she invited me to go skiing and uh, made a bad decision and decided to do that. And so I remember I'd never skied before and she'd been skiing part of ski club and all that. And so I go and so she's like, I'm going to go on the mountains, start skiing. And you have this little course to teach you how to do this. So she points this way and there's just all eight year olds over there. And I'm like, I don't want to go with the kids. And she's like, well, you need to learn to ski. And I was like, but I got to go alone. So I go over there and, you know, Jacob and Jimmy are there and we're learning how to ski. And so they, I went down the first hill and they taught me how to, do they call it snow plowing? Is that what they still call? You put your, you put your kind of angle your skis together and you just kind of go down this little hill like, Whoop. and we did that. And then we, and then they, and I decided, you know what? That's good enough. I pretty much know what I'm doing. And they said, well, we're going to teach you how to turn and, and move. And I said, I'm great. I'm going to go find Katie. Cause I pretty much, I feel pretty good. I feel solid. Uh, like I'm prepared. And so she and I went up and I'll never forget. I didn't learn how to turn or stop or anything. So we go up on this, on the mountain, we start going down and I realized, wow, I don't really know what to do once I'm moving fast. So I just, I didn't know what else to do except this. I, when I hit the point that I thought this is too fast, I don't know what to do. I would just sit down, you know, and just, 
So that's what I did all day. I would just go fast till I realized, man, I don't need to go any faster. And then I would just fall over all day. Finally, towards the end of the day, she was going to go up one more time. And I said, no, I'm good. I, I'm going to go back here because I don't know how to stop and turn. And, and, and so I was talking to one of the guys that worked at the lodge. And it was the very end of the day. And he said, you know, almost all the accidents happen in the last hour every day. And I said, what do you mean? He said, almost all the accidents on this mountain, Song Mountain in upstate New York, almost all the accidents happen in the last hour of the day. And I said, why is that? And he said, because everybody's overconfident and everybody's tired. And guess what I'm wondering if in this season, I'm just, I'm just pastoring you today from my heart, even less of a sermon, more of just a pastoral heart. I wonder if the danger in our life happens when we're tired and when we're overconfident. In fact, if you're here this weekend and you think this message on, rate, on, on rest and the pace of life and all this isn't for me, then let me, just, let me just tell you that may be that you're overconfident, right? And if you're here and you think I never need to rest, then maybe you're overconfident. And what if the dangers in life, in fact, Solomon tells us this, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty, <laughs> The prudent, so some of you are here this weekend, you say, all right, I hear the message to rest. I'm going to learn to divert daily. I'm going to learn to withdraw weekly. I'm going to learn to abandon annually. I'm going to learn that. But some of you are not, and the Bible would describe you as the simple in the book of Proverbs. Now, it's important that you know that the simple is not a good thing to be called in the book of Proverbs. So like, simple, that feels good. No, not in Proverbs. The simple, what would be a word for simple in our day? What? Stupid. Okay, that's fine. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the stupid keep going, right? That's about it. I mean, the simple are like, I see the sign says bridge out. I'm good. I'm good, right? Like, I'll keep going. And the simple, the simple think they know better than wise counsel. But scripture tells us the prudent, when they see danger, take refuge. How many know if God tells us once a week, we need to set aside one day for worship and rest, then he made us. He knows us. He created. How many think he knows us better than we know us, right? And so it's a command in scripture to find seasons of rest. And I came across a phrase that I, I just, I don't know why it kind of caught on with me. And I started to write a, a rap about it, but I didn't finish it, so I won't. It's just called The Pace of Grace. Isn't that good? Pace of Grace. And here's what, here's what my challenge for you today, uh, this weekend is. The question isn't, can you keep going at the pace you're going? The question I have for you is, should you? Because how many know there's a difference between I can and I should, right? Some of you absolutely can keep going at the pace you're going. You're, 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 you have the capacity to, come on, uh, so, some business people and some students, some moms, come on. How many know moms have a pace, right? Like, you can keep going at the pace you're going. It's not a question of you can. My question to you isn't can you, it's should you. And I would ask, what's it doing to your relationship with God? And what's it doing to the most important relationships in your life? And if you would say, Pastor, I'm not sure my relationship with God is solid. And I'm not sure my relationships with the most important people in my life are solid. Then it may be that you've exceeded the pace of grace. Right? And you can keep going. But my challenge for you this weekend, lovingly, as your pastor, not mean-spiritedly. Just it's a, it's a question for the good of your soul is have you exceeded the pace of grace? 
And maybe God's saying to you, no, this is a season for you to slow down, reconnect with me, find the priorities, rebalance your life, reorder some things. Or maybe to put it this way, you simply need to come apart before you come apart, right? Do you know you read the life of Jesus? He's all the time pulling aside. His disciples wake up in the morning and they're like, where's Jesus? And he's on a mountain praying, right? And after a full day of healing people, the crowds are still pressing in around him. And Jesus is getting in a boat and pushing away from shore and reconnect. Because Jesus understood that there were times, even in his humanness, that he needed to reconnect with God. This is my prayer this, this summer. This is my prayer that every person in our church would be, would be committed to diverting daily, connecting to God, withdrawing weekly, regularly Sabbathing and resting, and, and annually abandoning. Literally, that, it's not just your it means you're finding the rhythm to pull aside for a couple of days. How many would just confess this weekend that you need at least three days in a row this summer to, to just pull away? Come on, raise your hand if that's you today and say, I got to disconnect from some things, right? I got to disconnect from some things so that I can reconnect to some things in a more powerful way. That's my prayer for you today, okay, is just to receive the rest of God. But I'm telling you, I felt like I need to say it like not just lovingly, but say the danger of not doing so is to burn the bridge of a close walk with God that he has for you and maybe to harm your most important human relationships. Let's prioritize not what's urgent, but what's important. Amen. Let me pray for us and then I'm gonna turn it over to Scott's edition today. So Jesus, thank you for this amazing congregation, the chapel. Thank you for the joy of just loving and leading with them and doing life together. Thank you for their incredible heart for your mission and your plan in our world and in this city. And so God, now as just their pastor, I just I feel like I'm a shepherd just trying to lead them in green pastures and walk them by still waters and put them in a place where you can restore their soul. So God, I pray this summer, oh God, for the ones who are anxious, and weighted down by life, oh God, that you'd just bring peace and joy and faith. And God, those that are tired, those that have just imbalanced their life, oh God, you give us the wisdom to rebalance and reprioritize what matters the most, oh God, that we would love you, that we would count uh, the warning we've heard today and we would prioritize what matters most, oh God. Jesus, we come to you all of us who are weary and heavy laden, and we know you will give, our, give us rest. So we take your yoke upon us. We learn from you, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.